Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uprise Radio and 3CR pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. and welcome back to Uprise Radio after our summer break. We're all feeling incredibly well rested after catching COVID in the break. Uh, So it's lovely to be back here full of beans and not at all recovering from a global pandemic. (laughs) Local personal pandemic. How are you both? Maybe not as full of beans as you seem to be, but, you know, pretty well, all things considered. (laughs) It's a total sham. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just putting it on for the, our faithful audience, our faithful listener out there. Hello to you too. Well, yes, I think um, we managed to all get COVID during the summer break. So it was good that we could all, uh, you know, we do the show together, we get COVID together. Um, you know, and I'm sure that probably most of our listeners have probably had the unfortunate um experience as well um but you know there's many we were speaking off air about some of the difficulties that we've we had but you know we're grateful that we were able to have a kind of milder version of and to be vaccinated and to be able to have you know deal with it all in that way but there's many others that you know are immunocompromised and and others that um you know i hope are doing okay if they need to take extra time to be um, isolated and hopefully 3CR has been a comfort to you while you're at home. If numbers continue going the way they are, hopefully some comforts, some further comforts are extended once again by the powers that be to actually support people to stay home and get better because it definitely feels like it's drifting in the absolute opposite direction at the moment and the pressure on people to get out of the house and get back to work, you know, even if they are still testing positive. It's just such a remarkable shift we've seen over the last six months Mm. um but you know if i mean fingers crossed amongst all this you know death and sickness and soon to be labor shortages and all of the associated issues with that we may be seeing the death knell for mr scott morrison and his inept uh band of fundamentalist christians that's my opinion um it may be this all of these behaviors may be the end of that of that government you know 
Well, yeah, I mean, that remains to be seen, I guess, the election coming up at some point. But, yeah, you know, we've seen even uh, as last week or so, Morrison making sure that his friends at the Hillsong Church are able to enjoy music festivals and, you know, I guess they're able to... Rats. And they're able to rats. pay for that without having to pay any taxes. So, you know, the rest of us, the whole... Um, you know, obviously we've covered, we covered the pandemic a lot last couple of years and um, it continues to be handled in the most um, corrupt and baffling kind of way. But like you said, I guess if it shows to some people, not just how, you know, much the Liberal Party has none of our interests at heart, but, you know, capitalism itself is one that does not care uh, for the health and well-being of working people. It was... Sad news at 3CR uh, in the past week. Um, we should say, um, before talking about it, we, we'll be having a discussion of deceased people. Um, we just wanted to say a few words about Viv Marlowe, a fellow broadcaster here at 3CR for a long time uh, on the Black Block and also joining many other shows over the years. Um, uh, passed away last week. Um, I mean, I didn't have a huge amount of experience with, with Viv, but whenever I saw her speaking at a rally or, you know, coming to 3CR, she always spoke with such simple clarity on issues and, um, was really clear. Um, I really remember being at 3C, uh, offices when Rob and her and others returned from the NT following the walkout of the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And she was able to really quickly describe some of the flaws within that process that had led to the statement and a position that, you know, still remains absent from a lot of mainstream accounts. And, um, yeah, I just want to say that her humour, fury, dedication and passion will leave a hole in the 3CR landscape and our thoughts are with all uh, her family and friends at this time. Yeah, I guess um, just echoing what um, Jackson's saying there and to... Um, give a shout out to Robbie and to all of his family and and her extended family being um, all the comrades at, at 3CR and across the left, particularly, um, you know, across Melbourne. I remember when kind of Viv first started getting involved in activism and, you know, just from those kind of moments, just meeting her. I can't remember what the protest was, but just remember being uh, at the State Library and just always had that kind of passion and that kind of just that look in her eye, just sort of searching for people to connect with on truth and justice and wanting to spend time on the streets and campaigning for so many issues. Um, but she just, yeah, I just remember that, um, you know, smile and, and look um, in her eye that was so determined and, uh, you know, just ready to kind of attack those anyone that um you know to have these conversations to kind of fight for that justice and something that she did uh very very well and not just um on the streets but yeah like on air as well and i know that she's going to be greatly missed and during these difficult times it is um difficult because we can't necessarily all get together and um you know see each other at, at the pub or at the station or at a protest um so uh, we hope that everyone is doing okay out there, Who everyone who Viv has left behind. And, yeah, she made the it a better place here. 
On the show today, we were we are planning to talk a bit about um, the Indigenous Tent Embassy in Canberra, which is coming up for its 50-year anniversary this Invasion Day on the 26th of January. It was 1972 uh, when many members of the Aboriginal Black Panther movement um, uh, decided to go and set up an embassy on the lawn of Parliament House. And uh, just recently there was a wonderful interview published um, on uh, in Green Left and on the Green Left weekly website with Gary Foley, well-known historian and one of the co-founders of the em- embassy, just about its history and, and the impact as we come on, on this, come up upon this 50-year anniversary. Uh, in the interview, Foley terms it the most successful piece of Indigenous activism of the entire 20th century. Um, But he also discusses, very interestingly, some of the unintended outcomes, um, particularly Whitlam's work in developing an Indigenous middle class and some of the subsequent schisms within the broader movement as a result of that. It's a really 
interesting uh, article and worth checking out. And I guess, you know, while we're talking about Foley, uh, coming up this weekend online is a series of um, talks, online talks and a film screening of the um, Nin, Nin Kla Ana, which is um, about the uh, Tent Embassy, the forming of the Tent Embassy. And before that, that session's at um, one o'clock. And before that session, Sorry, I was getting the exact time. Uh, at 11 o'clock, uh, Gary Foley is going to be presenting a talk, kind of introducing that film. Uh, so, you know, without, I guess, as many kind of Invasion Day events and things as there may be in person, it's going to be, um, yeah, I think it's a good chance to see some of those things online this weekend and try to engage in that learning and solidarity where people can. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, what were the dates again, James? That, it's on um, this weekend. So twenty Saturday the 22nd is uh, Foley speaking and then the film. Um, and then on the Sunday, Tony Birch um, is speaking as well as Jackie Gattano. Um, yeah, so you can, the tickets are from Eventbrite. If you go to Eventbrite and just type in Blackfire, you'll be able to get tickets there. Uh, we'll post a link as well. But yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people are doing a lot of, or have been doing a lot of work and continue to do so in building events, you know, leading up to looking at in the 50th anniversary of the um, of the 10 embassy. Uh, but, you know, I guess people would have seen in the news and, you know, through social media what uh, has been happening up there. And I guess it's something, you know, we really need to kind of touch on that aspect as well before, you know, talking about obviously the significance of the tent embassy and that protest movement itself. It's being hijacked at the moment by another, you know, so-called protest movement as well, I guess. Yeah, um, you'd say like from from my eye that these recent events, you know, this, this co-option of the tent embassy in Canberra by you know, the so-called sovereign citizens movement. It kind of continues a disturbing trend by you know, largely right-wing organisers to co-opt the language and actions of progressive causes. Even the deployment of the term sovereign citizen mimics, you know, the justified struggle of the Aboriginal sovereignty movement, undermining that cause through its association by weaponising, you know, largely white settler privilege. You know, like... Uh, you know, invoking the 13th century Magna Carta as as a means of delegitimizing Australian law confuses the issue, which is Australian, so-called Australian, the colonization and the dispossession, other crime and the dispossession of Indigenous people, other crimes here, not some bastardization or misinterpretation of ancient, unrelated documents of the Western canon. So, you know, it just kind of continues this this methodology of kind of confuse and distract, you know, that we've seen, you know, we've seen the deployment of solidarity, solidarity hashtags with truckers to support, you know, this dangerous hyper-individualism and libertarianism, which is espoused by many anti-vax campaigners. We've seen conservative MPs, you know, liken quarantine hotels to Nazi death camps, you know. So, mm. so these events in Canberra, kind of continue to take this behavior further by directly endangering 
the indigenous activists that they have disgracefully pitched camp alongside and the decision to hold you know like a you know quite a bogus it appears smoking ceremony without local indigenous approvals or involvements you know from my eyes and you know i'm not there this is just based on what i've been reading you know shows the group's lack of concern for indigenous cultural heritage or ownership or land ownership i know that some of the um like the names and you know the movement has some significance overseas as well but i guess you know we have spoken about two people already you know robbie thorpe and gary foley who part of the camp sovereignty which was a protest camp set up around the um commonwealth yeah commonwealth games and king's domain and you know part of that was the black gst group that was formed uh you know so all of those kind of things it, it really feels like it's taking a lot of that language uh from you know these giants of our um you know movements here in in australia of you know of Thorpe and, and Marge Thorpe and Gary Foley and others who were involved in those protests. And to, yeah, I guess it feels so much like you are taking not only the space, you're taking the language, you're taking the ideas from Aboriginal people and trying to co-opt it into this other space to create, you know, all this discourse around um, vaccines. And as uh, some people have called the medical tyranny of the past couple of years but yeah i think you know like you said jackson it's difficult to fully understand what's going on without being there and i think that's it feels really true in this instance i think um you know seeing different reports on social media and reading some of the articles that come out you know the canberra times and sydney morning herald have put out some articles but it's really hard to kind of understand the situation there i think you know there are maybe some Aboriginal people who are even involved in the um, sovereign citizens group. Uh, but, you know, they were asked to and, and um, made to leave from with their camps, um, like with their tents and and vehicles and things like that. But from what I you know, understand, they, they've come back uh, without those things and continued to kind of set up camp there over the days after that. Uh, it just, uh, yeah, I think it's really hard to kind of put much else into it. But I think you're right. It's just a really difficult situation where the past couple of years has led us to this point where the right and, you know, not everyone wants to point out that not everyone in these anti-vax things are right wing. Um, but it's really clear and it has been for quite a while now that the right wing have found ways to use all of our tactics on the left. They find the ways to organize things, how they run protests, how they recruit people. You know, they've learned all these things from us about how to do all these things. And then they're doing it themselves and they're doing it themselves quite successfully. They are growing, they're building all these different organizations, these different groups. And, you know, I think that is really concerning. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a global phenomenon as well. I mean, one of the things about the crises of capitalism is that it breeds discontent. And one of the frustrations, um, you know, that you can see in these nascent right-wing mo movements is that there is a recognition that there is a corporate elite that do not have the interests of the public at heart. You know, we, we see that often in the way that the pandemic in particular has been managed and mismanaged at, at home and abroad. But uh, the 
solutions to the to those crises, the solutions to those problems that groups, you know, like the anti-vax movement as a whole are putting forward, you know, will not work beyond individuals doing exactly what pleases them. You know, it seems to be that their solution is that I am in charge of me, nobody can tell me what to do, and even if my actions have, you know, catastrophic effects on my fellow humans, that that's immaterial because my my freedom, you know, um, my my sovereignty as an individual is is paramount, and it is, you know, I don't know, ironic, tragic, that at at the time that that this group is, you know, setting fire to parts of Parliament House and you know setting up next to a cause that that many participants, you know, one imagines you know, would would not have done much to support in the past that that the um that the virus is reaching you know extremely remote communities that have not been served by this government you know and have not you know had adequate access to vaccines um you know this is this has been you know already in new south wales in wakanya and it's now going into northern territory going to far north queensland and that's the way omicron is moving so you know one does worry you know about the impact it's going to have the virus is going to have in those communities, and it it just seems, you know, it seems a long way from concern for indigenous well-being. I think you know, even a lot of some of these activists have been involved in protests across the well, you know, at least parts of the country, the east coast, and that includes going to Aboriginal communities and with other Aboriginal activists, and you know, convincing them to be a part of this movement to not be vaccinated and which is opening up, you know, Aboriginal people and Aboriginal communities who are already vulnerable to much more vulnerability due to their, um, yeah, due to, as you said, like just the inability to kind of think of other people. And yeah, just, it's a real, uh, it's a really difficult kind of space to be able to operate in, I guess, you know, as activists trying to encourage other people to, think about the world in a collective way it's very disheartening to kind of see people acting in such an individualistic kind of mind you know mindset and to be able to you know to see the to see it as uh being told not wanting to do what the government tells you to rather than seeing it for looking out for each other i mean i think it's um it's easy to lose a bit of hope in humanity with some of those kind of things, but you know, it's still it's a very small percentage of of people that uh, you know support these kind of ideas. But it's it's a small percentage of people that we often work with that may not be the same people, but you know, small groups of people can have a big influence on policy, on decision making, on. Uh, parts of society we I mean <laughs> you know we rely on that, that that's uh, what a lot of our activism is based on is that you know small groups of people can have a big impact and so it is concerning and I think it continue to be concerning but you know I think um, we will continue to hear I'm sure really positive things from those involved in the uh, tent embassy itself and I'd encourage people to follow along on social media to the Tent Embassy's uh, official social media pages. And I'm sure 3CR will be sharing some information from there and from some of the Invasion Day 
actions and events that are happening over that period of time as well. Um, as far as we've heard at time of recording that there's not going to be an Invasion Day protest in Melbourne, um, but there is a Share the Spirit Festival that's going to be happening at the My Music Bowl. Um, and as we said, there's the online um, talks that are happening on the 22nd, 23rd. Um, but, you know, there's, there's probably other kind of local things that you might be able to get involved in, um, you know, look for creative ways that you can be, you know, engaging in discussions around the tent embassy and, you know, solidarity and discussions with people about Invasion Day. Yeah, and, and while there isn't, you know, at that time of recording, there doesn't appear to be an Invasion Day march as we've had, you know, for many years now and there have been wonderful events to be involved in, just the numbers and the the commitment, you know, to, to changing the course of, of, of this nation here here on this land. Uh, as, it's an incredibly inspiring event. Uh, it, it's not clear that they will go ahead, but, but what is clear and, and becoming you know, increasingly well articulated even at an institutional level in so-called Australia. It was encouraging to hear um, Acting Premier Jacinta Allen make clear that this year's so-called Australia Day uh, parade will not go ahead, not because of COVID, but because, quote, as a community, we choose to mark the day differently. So it is um, encouraging to see uh, a state government. I think um, Melbourne City Council has actually made some similar comments, acknowledging that a flag-waving nationalistic um, patriot fest is not adequate, considering this country's history, and that we have to find other ways uh, to recognise our past and, and think about our future. So I think that's worth um, celebrating uh, on the left as well, that, that that change is occurring. But yeah, it is difficult to find any information about planned Invasion Day marches. There is an event going ahead to mark Survival Day on the same date at Mount Martha, organised by an organisation called Our Songlines, which is a fully Indigenous-owned and also female-operated collective. And this year's theme is Reconnection, and it provides an opportunity for First Nations and allies alike to get to, to get close to Indigenous culture through food, live, uh, live music, uh, dance, uh, all in a bush setting. Uh, all are welcome. Uh, tickets are required for non-Indigenous people, but it's free for all mob who want to attend. Uh, artists include Gangagiri, Miss Hood, Joe Ganny, Natasha Bamblett, Caution and Chasing Ghosts. Uh, there'll be some cultural education activities by Living Culture, Our Songlines uh, and Food Served by the Kui Cafe. And there'll also be a number of Indigenous businesses, such as Deadly Wares, which is like clothing and stuff, um, Wanyan and Salt and Sand Candles, amongst other stores. So if you feel like getting along to that, it's a very family-friendly event. I think it runs from midday till 6 uh, in Mount Martha. Uh, if you look for Survival Day at Mount Martha online, I'm sure you'll find some details. Um, yeah, because I'm sure if people want to get out of the, the city, one will probably be pretty busy, I'm sure, if people are not necessarily wanting to check out big crowds. But um, the, the one at Share the, um, Share the Spirit is also run by Songlines and Christina Anu, Dan Sultan, Kutcher Edwards, and a big hip-hop showcase are going to be there. So, yeah, there's still plenty of events that people can go out and um, 
immerse themselves in some Aboriginal culture. Okay, well, um, thanks for listening in. This is Uprise Radio, and we're glad to have you back again for 2022. And if you've got a story that you want us to cover, uh, you know, you've got something happening that you want us to know about, get in contact with us on social media or, you know, send a pigeon, however you like to communicate, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, hopefully on the show, uh, next episode, we'll be discussing um, some of the recent actions in Australia around the boycott, divest and sanction movement on the state of Israel. There's been some really interesting developments at Schwartz Media, one of the larger progressive media mastheads in the country, uh, as well as, you know, the uh, high profile Sydney Festival over the last weeks. And it'll be really interesting to speak to some of the people uh, involved. Uh, it really kind of kicked off, you know, at times a uh, an ugly debate online, but a really important debate and one that, you know, perhaps highlights some of the silence in Australia on that issue, uh, particularly among our major media outlets and institutions. Uh, so it'd be great to get further stuck into that next episode. Uh, thanks heaps for listening and we'll catch you next time. Melbourne Pride will be taking over Smith Street and Gertrude Street Precinct on Sunday the 13th of February between 11am and 9pm. This free event is a state government initiative delivered by festival partner Midsummer to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria. The Fitzroy Precinct will be transformed into a huge street party with two music stages, activities, community stores and more. For more information, visit midsummer.org.au. Midsummer is a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.